0: Even though we're really used to talking about money, if we're in that field, we still don't want to talk about it personally. So why don't we want to talk about it? Money is not a neutral topic. If it was a neutral topic, that would be easy. But we put so many associations with money.
1: Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I'm Stacey Francis, and it's great to have you joining me here today. Today we're going to be talking about well a soft topic that has to be honest some hard results and that is money and emotions. Sybil Solomon is an expert a pioneer in the area of looking at the intersection of money and emotions. She talks about money habitudes, which is a online self awareness quiz and also a game that helps you unearth those deep seated Money beliefs, those attitudes, those habits that impact our money decisions. So why is this important? Well, make sure you listen in because Sybil talks about how your emotions will impact your divorce settlement. And for many women, leaves them walking away with less money than they deserve. And make sure that you stay to the end where she details those. Six Patterns and Money Habits and Attitudes That Can Hold You Back. She talks about the three steps that you need to take if you're thinking about divorce. And she also talks about after divorce and the four quadrants in her chart that you need to master to make sure that you have a handle on not only your finances, but also those subconscious, those conscious money habits and attitudes. And we're going to start off with something really interesting. Sybil really changed up her life. When she turned 50, she completely changed everything about her and she never looked back. And so I want you to listen to her story that she's going to share right now, because I know you're going through some change as well. So without further ado, please help me welcome our special guest, Sybil Solomon. Well, Sybil, I'm so happy to have you here, and I know that all of our listeners just got to hear the background of what you do and your amazing work, but I am absolutely curious So, what happened when you turned 50. I'm really
0: curious. (laughs) So you're probably all thinking that I went through a divorce, but I didn't go through a divorce. I was a trailing wife, and we moved once again, and I decided I'd go back to school. And the way things worked, I don't know, the universe just kind of conspired and people started talking to me about money. Mm-hmm. And I had one person tell me that she was $15,000 in debt. And if her husband found out he was going to divorce her, and oh my I gosh. said, How did you get $15,000 in debt. And why didn't your husband know about this? And she was protecting him. The company he worked for had closed down. And so he lost his job. He said, I'm going to work. I'm going to do my own business. We all know that when you start your own business, it doesn't necessarily go the way you plan. And she didn't want him to feel badly, so she started putting the kids' expenses and the food on the credit card. She didn't want his parents or her parents to think he wasn't doing okay, so she continued gifting to them at the same level. She didn't want the people in the church where their family had been for generations Mm -hmm. to know, so she continued tithing at the same level. And now she was living in fear because she thought her husband was going to leave her and the credit card people were calling. And then I had other people. One woman was telling me that she had recently been divorced. She was trying to start all over again. And she was just having a really tough time financially. And the more Uh I listened to her, what I realized was she was sabotaging herself, that Uh she saw herself as somebody who wasn't capable, who needed everybody else to help her. And as a result, she wasn't getting the kind of jobs that she should have been getting. She was basically sabotaging herself and not feeling competent. So she couldn't earn the money. And now she's feeling like, what am I going to do? I I don't know how I'm going to support myself. So somehow these stories just kept coming to me. And I had no background in any of this stuff, although I had done a lot of counseling types of things Mm -hmm. with families. And I just got really interested. So I started reading the research on finance, psychology, behavioral economics, addictions. And I said, wow, there's a lot of patterns here. And I came out with three big learnings. One was money is the most difficult topic to talk about. second is what we say and what we do are not necessarily aligned. We may say that we want to save. We may say that we want to invest, but we somehow don't follow through with it. And the third thing that I learned was we're typically blissfully ignorant of how we make the decisions and why we make the decisions we do. And that was the turning point. I decided I was going to develop a way to help people talk about money and to get some insights. And if anybody ever told me that years later, people would be using money habitudes, which is a money personality profile, and they would say that it had changed their lives, never could I have expected that to happen.
1: That's just phenomenal. Number one, there must be something from the universe telling you that you need to do this work if you're hearing all those stories, but also the fact that you were open to it and was able to really pique that curiosity. I love it. So what do you do? I'm really curious. And I'd love for you also to talk about money habitudes. What are money habitudes? And (laughs) I know that so much of your work is really based on money habitudes.
0: So Money Habits Use is actually a very simple game or assessment, self-assessment that helps you become self-aware. Basically, when I did the research, I saw there were six patterns of habits and attitudes about money. And our attitudes are our first thoughts. We're not even aware of what they are. Mm -hmm. They just come into your head and our habits are what do we actually do? I'll give you an example of giving, right? So for some people, They are raised where giving is a good thing. Maybe through their religion, it's really reinforced. They see their parents helping out other people. It's just around them. And they feel like it's their responsibility to help other people if they're able to do that. So their habitude is when they hear about something that touches them that they would like to do something about, that they automatically think, uh, I want to help and that they automatically reach into their pocket, reach into their checkbook, go online and pay with a credit card to help out. So that's a very nice giving habitude. If it's not overdone, they're not enabling. On the other hand, there are other people who've been raised to think that giving is really something that takes away from other people, that you want people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. You want people to feel that they're independent, that they can do it. So when someone asks for help, the response would be, the attitude would be, I wouldn't be helping you if I gave to you. And their habit would be, they don't give. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So everybody has all these habitudes. And we I saw six different patterns of habitudes. And when I put together this, it started out as a card game, because what I wanted was, because money is such a difficult topic, and I'd like to talk more about that, But it's such a difficult topic to talk about that I wanted to do something that made it easy and fun. And we associate cards with a social activity so we don't get all uptight about it. And we made it like a solitaire card game. And when people play Money Habitudes, it makes it easy for them to talk about money and they get some insights about their own relationship with money and how they respond that gives them control.
1: And help me kind of explain how this works. So if I were to use the money habitudes cards, I could go through this process, the self-assessment and essentially the game to learn more about, you know, my deep sea, which I know they I I know a lot of them. And some (laughs) of them are good and some are bad. But I know that there's others lurking even deeper below the surface that I have yet to really unmask. And so Sybil, is this something that we can do on our own as well as could you do this with a partner or even let's say a dear sister or you and your mom, how can you use these these cards and the way that the self-assessment works?
0: We still have the cards, but we also have an online version now as well. So in terms of, yes, you can use it easily by yourself. You can go mm-hmm. through with your suggestions of next steps. The nice thing about it is there's no right or wrong. It's not a matter of saying, you know, some people say, oh, you're a saver, you're a spender. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about you, but everybody that I know is very complex. And puts Uh them in one situation and they're going to hold on to their money. And in another situation, they may be really very generous. So one of the nice things about this is it gives you of those six habitudes, it tells you like which one is stronger, but we have all of them, right? Uh When we get done, the question is, how is that working for you? if it's working for you, awesome. If it's not working for you, there's some suggestions of things to do. And as you go through the different statements, it raises awareness of things that you don't think about with money. I'm going to give you an example. One of the questions is, one of the statements, and you sort it into, that's me, sometimes that's not me, is I don't trust people who have a lot of money. Or I think people who have a lot of money are corrupt. If you're starting a business, or you're starting out again, or you're You've been saving, you've been investing, and you get to a certain point that in your head means you've got a lot of money. What you have to do is sabotage yourself because you don't want to be corrupt and you to lose it, to see you that way. So, in terms of self awareness, yes, you can do it on your own. People have told me that it's caused them to make amazing changes just doing it on their own. If you're working with another person, like a financial planner, a financial advisor, financial educator, they'll be able to help you look at those that maybe take it a little deeper. Money and life are totally inseparable. So uh-huh. if you're working with a counselor, a social worker, a coach, they may also be able to help you take it deeper in terms of how your habits and attitudes about money may be stopping you from doing things. And sometimes uh-huh. it's really obvious to other people when it's you that's involved, it's not obvious at all. Professionals can help you take it at a deeper level, but, and people who are self aware Mm -hmm. start looking at themselves from another through another lens and they can also go much deeper with it. But it's just a very simple process. And if you do the online version, there is a report that comes with it that gives you a lot more information as well. Great.
1: Well, all of you listening, we will make sure in the show notes to add a link both to, the cards and the website, as well as the online version so that everybody has a a capability to kind of test drive this and see what it looks like.
0: Could you do it with other people? It is incredibly awesome to do it with other people. A matter of fact, we've had therapists tell us that people have come to get divorced and they do money habitudes and they don't get divorced because they say, we didn't realize this is what we were arguing about. We thought we were arguing about money. So it's used a lot with couples. It's just really pretty incredible because it starts a conversation that doesn't have blame. And typically when you see, if you're using the cards and you turn over the that's me pile and you look and see yours versus the other person, and it could be your spouse, your boyfriend, a member of your family, it could be your roommate. And you could just easily see the places where you're opposite. And the interesting thing is those places are going to be where you have a lot of conflict, but they're also the places where you balance each other. And most people get so caught up in the conflict that they don't realize that they're balancing each other and they don't look and see what the other person is (coughs) doing in the situation. So, you know, you might have one person who saves and another person who spends spontaneously and they've been throwing really negative things at each other about, you're a cheapskate, you never let me do this. And the other person saying, I can't trust you. You're always spending all of this money. And then when they look and see, it's like, oh my gosh, they totally, when you put them together, they fit together like a hand in a glove. Yeah, And they start looking at one of the things that, what are the advantages that the other person's bringing into the conversation, bringing into the relationship?
1: So why is money so hard to talk about? You're right. It's one of the hardest things to talk about. I know dear friends that have been friends for 40 years and never once talked about their income or how much is in their IRA and safe for retirement. It's almost like it's like off limits. Like sex is easier to talk about. Sex is easier to talk about, but not money.
0: It's funny you would say that because one time we were at a conference and somebody from a university came and they had been involved with a study with students. And they were asking really, really personal questions that had to do with sex. And at the end, there were demographic questions. And one of the questions that they asked was what the the students or the family's income was, and people wouldn't answer it. So (laughs) they said, why why wouldn't you answer the question? And they said, that's way too personal. (laughs) So you're right. Money is considered the number one most difficult topic to talk about and when I've worked with financial planners and I have said to them, introduce yourself to another person and you get your choice, either share how much you earned and how much you owe or where you went on vacation. Even though we're really used to talking about money, if we're in that field, we still don't want to talk about it personally. So why don't we want to talk about it? Money is not a neutral topic. If it was a neutral topic, that would be easy. But we put so many associations with money. So for some people, it represents security for other people. It's love, acceptance, rejection, revenge, freedom. The Gottmans are pretty famous psychologists that many people may have heard of. And John Gottman made a list of the associations with money. He stopped at 100. And I think if all of your listeners would write down when they think about money, what are all the different things that they associate with it? They're going to be really surprised. The other thing is, do you think of money as a man or a woman? And however you think about money, what's your relationship with that man or woman? Is it a nice, easy relationship where you're respectful of each other, or is it a relationship where one's always pulling in the other? That's so
1: so fascinating. I've never thought about money as a man or woman, but when you asked that question, my first assumption was it was a man. I don't know why, but it's really interesting. Wow.
0: And then you can take it further. So if it's a man who has is the man in control is money in control of you or are you the one taking control?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So for me, and I've explored, I've still more to learn about me, but because I, I feel like your relationship with money, you're always learning and you're always peeling back one more layer. But I have really struggled my relationship with money. In fact, my husband and I were that couple where we went to a therapist because we were not getting along. It was early in our relationship. things were not I mean, they were really not looking well. We were so angry with each other and it was about money. And for me, what I look at money as is security. And it really comes from my grandmother feeling trapped, financially trapped in an abusive marriage. And I saw how for her and my vision of the situation was well if she had her own money she could have had freedom now in reality we don't know but for me money it gives me that sense of security of safety of freedom to be able to leave a bad situation and so i put so much importance on savings whereas my husband You know, his savings plan, I came to the marriage with this beautiful 401k, (laughs) well-cushioned, and he came with a Lotus Elise sports car, which FYI, (laughs) wasn't even in America and was in England, and he couldn't even drive it here because it's the wrong side of the road where the wheel is. So, But for him, he was pretty darn happy with his Lotus Elise, and we just had such different places, and it wasn't till we were able to come to the place where, for him, he could really understand that, like... Having savings was really a life or death for me, in my opinion, and for me to understand that, you know, it, I can also enjoy my life and do things like have a vacation and enjoy kind of the yin and yang that we we brought together. And knock on wood, we're just we're celebrating our 20 years together, but it hasn't been easy. And so many, and think about even going back to college or a dear friend where. A lot of times we'll have money misunderstandings where the bill comes and your friend says, let's split it in half. And you're looking at them saying, you had three drinks, you had an appetizer, an entree and a dessert. And I had a glass of water and freaking appetizer and how those small things, but some of those things can cause rivets, right? So much of our conflicts in our life are because of money. It really is. So tell me, When someone's going through a divorce, so divorce, yes, it's about custody of the children. It's about many different things, but one of the top issues is money. It's unraveling an economic union. How can money emotions, emotions about money get in the way of making good decisions when you're going through the divorce process? And I realize this is a completely loaded question. So
0: I love this question. (laughs) Before I answer the question, though, what I would recommend to anybody who is thinking about going through a divorce or is going through a divorce, that before they even talk about it, that they make sure that they have all their financial information that they can gather. And that includes accounts, that includes how much money comes into your family, pay stubs, everything. And there are certainly lists. I think all state has a list of those. There are lists of those types of things, but you want to have all your financial stuff, know what it is. And considering the number of women and men who are in abusive situations, if you're even considering leaving that relationship, get as much information as you possibly can. Don't let the other person know that you're collecting that information because it could be a huge bomb and a real problem for you but gather all of that information. And the other thing I would say is it's better for you to talk to a financial person before you talk to your lawyer because you'll feel more competent if you have that basis knowing how much money is actually there and how much money it takes for you to live and how much money you have brought into the relationship. So Mm -hmm. I would start with the money and maybe getting some counseling (laughs) to feel good about what you're doing before you go to a lawyer, because it is incredibly emotional and you don't want to spend time with your lawyer dealing with your emotions. So how does money come into when we're talking about going through a divorce? First of all, if money was a neutral topic, the two of you would sit down, you'd lay out all of your money stuff, you would split it in half and everybody would go away happy or if somebody came into the marriage with a lot of money or inherited money that was quote theirs, you would take that part out, split it in half and go your own way. But that is never very rarely ever the issue. So a friend of mine who was a lawyer actually and her husband was an engineer and she was thinking about getting divorced. And I was asking her some questions. She was saying comments to me like, Well, of course he'll get more because he worked more than I did. And it's like, excuse me, you are a lawyer. You you two made the decision that you were going to work part-time while he worked full-time because you both felt strongly that you wanted somebody to be home with your children. And I said, Have you talked to a lawyer about this? And she's a lawyer. And she said, No, but this was coming from her years and years Uh Uh of emotionally feeling like she was the lesser there, that she deserved less. Her self-esteem was at a low point. So she didn't really feel like she could be, should be Uh for that. She was also raised that when you get married, you stay married. And for people in, particularly in my generation, women were told that if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. So now you have this guilt all this stuff is- in Yeah, the, back. the shame of
1: what did I do? And I didn't pull my weight or I did something wrong. I know it's interesting. I've felt this myself and I feel like I'm pretty connected to my emotions. So in our relationship, particularly when I started my business, as you know, it doesn't always go the way that you think it's gonna go. I was the lower earning partner for years. In fact, I walked out the door and it was a net negative to the family because after paying for childcare and the office to rent, I was a financial drain to my family. And it took me numerous years to be able to build up the charity, to be self-sustaining, to build up Francis Financial. And so there was always this feeling lack of because my husband made more money than I did. Mm -hmm. And I have grown up, my mom was one of the strongest women in the world. And she got her PhD. she was you know just phenomenally successful. but somehow I clutched on to that that somehow because he made more money than me, his job was more important, that he could have a bigger say in certain things. and it's interesting because now it's flipped and I'm the breadwinner. He still does really well. it's just knock on wood. thank goodness I'm so blessed I've really been successful. And all of a sudden, I feel a little bit more like I can sit up in my chair more. And this is so, so I don't know if the word is sexist. Where the heck does this come from? It's so inappropriate. This thinking is so inappropriate. If my daughter told me that she was thinking this way, I'd be like, oh my God, Samantha, are you freaking kidding me? But Sybil, here I am. Here I am. And doesn't mean that I think I'm any better than him. I don't. I mean, it's nothing. It, there's not been that reverse of like thinking any less of him. But boy, I felt less about myself when I was earning less? Why do we do that? And it it affects what we will stand up for ourselves during a divorce if we don't feel that we're as worthy. I see this with so many women where just because she made less or she stayed home and her career was watching the children, that she talks like your friend does of, well, he's going to get more. He should get more.
0: Where, where should that come from? So... Basically, the messages that we have in our head that cause our habitudes, our habits and attitudes about money, they come from five different areas. And it happens over years and years of time. So we're not even aware of it. The first thing, of course, is your family. What kinds of things? Like your mother, you said, was a PhD. She was really successful. My guess is that she, as a PhD, women PhDs probably were not earning a whole lot of money and they were probably earning less than the men who had PhDs, right? She probably never even talked about it because for a long time it wasn't talked about. It was just accepted. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot of messages from our parents. And a lot of times the mother and the father have very different ideas about the way that they spend money. And we take in those messages three different ways. One is they tell you something. And you hear that, right? Mm-hmm. Second thing is it's covert. They're not telling you, but you're watching what they do and mm-hmm. you're observing it. And that actually is even stronger. It, and they're they, showing yeah. you. Yeah. And then the third thing, like when we talk about going out for a meal, did your mom always order looking at the price before, instead of looking at what she wanted? That gives you some really strong messages. Yeah. Right? And then the third way is we inherit messages. So you may have had a parent who was raised in a family where there was a lot of money and your sense is, I'm entitled. I should be able to do that. That has nothing to do with the amount of money you're actually earning or you have available in your family. Other people have inherited a scarcity mindset and they have a very difficult time being able to part with a penny because their family couldn't part with a penny. Their grandparents couldn't part with a penny Uh and uh they've inherited that message and they've never questioned it. So we get messages from our family. We get the messages in terms of our own confidence from our own experiences and our own personality. And I once had a professor who talked about blue cards and orange cards. He said, there's no neutral interactions. Every time you have an interaction that's negative from the time you're born, you get an orange card. And every time you get that hug and that reassurance and that smile, you get a blue card. And as an adult, you've got orange cards and blue cards. And if you have more orange cards, you don't have self confidence. You don't feel like people care about you or that you're worth caring about. If you've got a lot of blue cards, you have that sense of, I can take this on. I can figure this out. I can do this. So our own experiences and the messages that we get give ourselves, influence it. In. And then we have our society and our community. You know, when when you grow up in a society where everybody believes that we should all be helping each other, that's a very different mindset than if you grow up where people live in houses and you don't even know who your next door neighbor is, what their name is. If their house burned down, you would feel like, oh, maybe maybe I should do something, but your automatic reaction is, you know, there's organizations that will take care of them, or they had enough money, they can take care of themselves. So we get a lot of messages from our society, our community, we get messages from our religion, and the media between 300 and 8,000 messages a day, telling us what we should need, what we should do, what we need to focus on. As a result of that, we have all this stuff going on in our heads and giving us messages that we're not even aware of uh-huh. and we're reacting to them. They're I'd say our themselves. brains
1: are so unbelievably complex. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just are. Well, I know that we are wrapping up, but I don't want to miss out on talking to you about your relationship with money and emotions moving forward after divorce. And so we just talked a little bit about, you know, some of the things that can hold us back during divorce and standing up for ourselves. But tell me a little bit more about moving forward.
0: So moving forward, think of having four boxes. So you have a cross-section. And at the top, you have day-to-day financial stuff. Do you have the skills to manage your money, to open up accounts? To, do you understand if you have investments, what those investments are? That's just day-to-day kind of stuff. If you don't have that information, you need that to feel confident and to feel uh-huh. confident with managing your money. And that means talking to your financial planner, talking to a financial educator. Some people do well going online. Some people do well taking classes. But make sure that you have that very strong foundation. For some people, the fear is, I'm okay today, but I don't know how to plan anything for tomorrow. Again, you need to talk to the right people to help you put that piece in order. And it might be long-term care insurance. It might be saving for your kids for an emergency fund, but you need to know how to put that in order. That's the money stuff. The emotional stuff, on one side, there, you have personal development. What is it that you need to be able to present yourself in the best way possible so that you can have the best bottom line? Do you need the confidence to speak up? Do you need to learn in your field what other people are making so that? you know what's fair for you to get? Do you know how to interact in a way where you don't sabotage yourself? Those are all things that have to do with your personality, your ability to speak up and your ability to know yourself and know what your strengths are and know what your challenges are. On the opposite side of that, maybe you know what you need to do, but you don't know how to communicate well and you really need to learn how to communicate. When you're angry, do you know how to communicate in a way that meets your needs instead of just letting me. Uh-huh. Do you know who uh-huh. to talk to? Do you know how to stand up for yourself? Do you know when to be quiet and when to speak up? Those are all things that have to do with communication. So I think if people would look and see, is there need financial for day to day or long term, and is there ability to stand up for themselves because they need help developing their own personal skills, or because they need to learn how to communicate better. It's going to affect their job. It's going to affect Mm their emotions. It's going to affect the way they interact with the teachers at the school when their children are going through different things. So communication is huge. And when you put all of that together, if you can get a really good foundation, you are solid for going forward in every aspect of your life.
1: That was so well spoken. And I feel like that's for everyone. (laughs) You know, even even women who I know are listening coming out of a divorce. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with the resources. How can people find out more how to reach out to you about money habitudes? And for all of you listening, don't worry, we're going to put all this information in the show notes. And also, we'll make sure that we put a link to the online version that Sybil talked about, as well as a link to the cards as well. So what is the best way to reach out to you?
0: So if you go to our website, which is moneyhabitudes.com, there's lots of different information and you can order a deck of cards. You can do the online version. The cards are fun because you're playing like a card game and you're shuffling cards. The online version gives you a full report and some people prefer that. Just go to the website and certainly you could give me a call and reach out to me. And email is probably the best way. So sybil at lifewise.us will reach me and I am happy to talk with you. For those of you who are working with other people, just remember that when it comes to money, it's never neutral. So make sure that you deal with the person first and don't jump into the numbers Mm -hmm. and really listen to their stories because we make a lot of assumptions about other people and we need not to do that. We need to hear what they have to say and really listen. And I've been a coach for many years and I'll say for every five minutes that you spend listening, you're gonna save yourself an hour in terms of working with that person and moving forward. Such great advice.
1: Sybil, I can't thank you enough for being here. And this is one of my favorite podcasts and I appreciate you. You just have such a warm, generous nature. It makes people feel very comfortable being real around you too, talking about tough things, which money is definitely one of them. So thank you so much for being here.
0: Well, thank you. I really appreciate it and I love your style and I think you're doing fabulous stuff both through your nonprofit and working in your field. So thank you so much for what you do. This was such a powerful
1: podcast not only for someone going through a divorce or a breakup, but realistically, I it's helpful for all of us. So many of us are just truly blissfully ignorant about why we're making certain money decisions. We say we love to save, but then maybe we spend too much on that vacation. We say we want money and security, but sometimes our actions don't back it up. Sybil did a great job really unmasking so many of these unconscious money beliefs, money attitudes, money habits, and some of them serve us. But as we listened. to Also today, some of us don't. So I want you to make me a commitment and it's a twofold commitment. The first off, please go to the show notes and at least take the self-awareness quiz to get to the root of those pieces that are either propelling you forward or unfortunately holding you back. So please do that. It's a short quiz and I can tell you, it will change your life. The second thing is, is if you do have any questions, about your long-term financial security, if you're choosing the right settlement, settlement A over B, if you're investing the money the way you need now that you're a woman on your own planning for your future, please reach out. You can reach me at Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y at francisfinancial.com. And also our website has just a huge amount of great information, resources, all about long-term financial security, investing, retirement savings, putting your money to work. And that's at www.francisfinancial.com. So thank you for joining me. I just cherish this time that I get to spend. I hope and I, I really pray that this is helpful. And if there's anything else we can do as being a resource to you, please, please, please do reach out. I'm sending you a big hug. Thank you.